It's quite simple, really. You just need to show you some film. You mean like going to the pictures? Something like that. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a uh, a different kind of episode this week. I am Mitch, and I am Stefan, and this is kind of a weird new segment. We don't have a name for it yet. I'll probably insert it right here. Little hell. Little hell. I don't know, but this this the purpose of this episode is uh, it's a much more casual episode where we can just kind of talk about a few movies that we'll uh, very briefly review, give our thumbs up, kind of give you an idea of maybe to uh, something to check out that you haven't seen before, uh, and then at the end of the episode we'll reveal what our next week's. Uh, or not next week, I guess. Next in two weeks movie, I guess. I yeah. <laughs> and that, that's the intention here. Uh, so why don't you start us off with something that you've watched, Mitch? Hit me, please. Sure. Well, before we uh, we started recording this, we had mentioned, you had mentioned uh, a particular uh, reality show that I won't uh, get into yet. But in the same vein, well, I'll start off with one that I've been watching that's similar, um, which is too hot to handle the uh the netflix series where they take a bunch of young attractive uh, men and women and put them on an island and tell them you're not allowed to have sex uh or kiss or anything um and these are the craziest horniest singles that you could possibly get to, to do this Stefan. so i mean you can imagine the shenanigans what's this cult called so i have a question how is that different from like love is blind i guess because i can actually see one another they just can't like physically like get down and dirty i guess yeah so i admittedly have not watched love is blind i'm told that i would enjoy it but it uh, is a deep dive into depravity let me tell you (laughs) but this show is basically it's so ridiculous and stupid but i love it um essentially they they bring them all there they under the pretense that they're on a you know some show with a bunch of other singles where they're going to be partying in the Caribbean kind of thing, um, and then they reveal to them on the first night after they've all had a little bit of a chance to meet each other that they're actually on this show where there's a hundred thousand dollar prize and the sort of uh, the crux is you can't kiss or. Uh, have sex, anything like that. You can't masturbate. You can't do anything like that because they're always watching. And um, murder is legal. <laughs> <laughs> and if you do any one of those things, you lose money from the prize. So they, a kiss costs like $3,000 or something. Okay, and so again, I have a question yeah, immediately. Yeah, yeah. I have an immediate question for you. So if you don't win and you're in deficit money, do you have to pay that money back to the TV <laughs> show? <laughs> I think once they get to zero, it's just, okay, this was a big failure. Um, And so this was season two they just released because the first one came out last year. Um, I watched the whole thing. Um, It's pure trash, but it's uh, a lot of fun. Um, And yeah, it's basically a bunch of young, dumb, you know, beautiful people who are all uh, tempted 
to uh to do things to each other and some of them do and they cost money and then they get upset with each other but then they all do the same thing uh it's the i mean the what they try and tell you it's about it's kind of like temptation island but it's like oh it's it's about um, taking these people who are only like solely focused on one night stands and sleeping with as many people as possible and trying to force them to have a more emotional connection with people by removing the ability of them to, you know, have sex or, or, you know, anything sexual in it. Cause then they have to actually connect on a deeper level. Um, really it's just trash, uh, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. And uh, <laughs> I watched it. And if you are into these types of reality shows, um that like temptation island i think love is blind or the one that you're watching um, yeah i think they're all pretty similar uh definitely you know definitely for you if uh if that's your your jam and i certainly enjoyed it i kind of wish that they were forced to wear chastity belts or something that they, they could remove them <laughs> I know that that eliminates the ability to like lose money via you know having copulating but you know That'd be kind of funny too. I like the idea of them being forced to wear like metal diapers for the duration of the show. <laughs> I would even mention, so Yvette is not here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, so because these are more casual, it's kind of like whoever we can wrangle together. Uh, you know, uh, my schedule is brutal right now. Uh, Mitch, you kind of flip-flop days every once in a while. So it's yeah. kind of, it's hard to nail us all down. So it's just us today. We miss you, Yvette. She'll be back on our next episode. <laughs> Okay, explainer got done. <laughs> uh, but similarly to you, uh, so I've been watching Love Island, which is a show that knows it's trash, or at least like presents that it knows it's trash because the uh, the the voiceover artist is like a you don't know Jack kind of smarmy uh, commentator that's kind kind of makes it enjoyable, which is why I like watching it because okay. he kind of like points out the stupidity of like. You know, a lot of these people are pretty vacuous. Uh, that might be rude to say, but that's what I believe. So deal <laughs> with it. Um, so the, it'll it'll like needle at the comments that they make to one another. Like the re- so, uh, I guess if you haven't watched it, the premise of the show is that you kind of like immediately couple up while kind of meeting other people. So there's like a bit of like that drama dynamic, and then there's recoupling, and it you know keeps circulating with who's doing the picking, whether it be the men or the women uh it's not a great show but it's a ton of fun (laughs) it's really really enjoyable just watching people make awful decisions like basically the night of one of these recouplings when you're trying to be like in the good graces of your of the you know the the person you're in a couple with uh this person like goes to kiss her uh his his partner on the island and then like rebuffs her and goes to kiss somebody else right in her face, kind of embarrassing her. Uh, this character's named Josh. If, if you watch this show, it's amazing that uh, she uh, continued to stick with him through the recouplings. Oh, spoiler alert, I guess, if you watch Oh my this God, show. Stephanie. Uh, but yeah, it's just a wonderful trashy show. Uh, I, I like looking at people as they are trying to have deep, meaningful conversations and behind their eyes, is just a deep void. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds exactly like what i would enjoy so i might have yeah, to uh, add that to my watch list it's so much fun i, I there's and and there's so much like uh I hate using the word like content because it's been like uh abused <laughs> greatly like, <laughs> in, in, in the uh in the intervening years but 
it, it, there's so much of it. Like, uh, I think there's like extra little episodes. So if you're like hard up for, for TV for whatever reason, you know, it's, okay. uh, it's, uh, it'll be your workhorse. It'll keep you busy. Perfect. Yeah. So, uh, I guess uh, any non-reality <laughs> TV or movies or whatever. Um, I'll talk about one that I watched for the more, uh, adult, viewer um you know less garbage and something a little more sophisticated been, like not geared towards children <laughs> not our audience whatsoever yeah. imagine um, we had a throng of like 16 year olds that listen to us that'd be, a that'd be amazing goddamn nightmare <laughs> but uh the new uh soderbergh movie that's on uh i think hbo max in the states but crave here in uh, canada no sudden move are you familiar with it Oh, I saw its thumbnail. I had no idea it was sort of rugged. I had no idea he had made another movie. So this is blowing my mind. The thumbnail I thought was kind of like, uh, like bland. Like it, it didn't like capture my attention at all. Like like most thumbnails, I guess. It's maybe not a fault of the movie. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's. I'm aware of it by its thumbnail alone, and that I think Benicio del Toro was in it. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Benicio del Toro and, and Don Cheadle sort of headline the cast. I guess they're the two two leads. Cool. Um, but uh, yeah, it's kind of, uh, I'd say, I don't want to say classic Soderbergh, but, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, sort of criminals that come together um, under sort of mysterious circumstances to, to do a job. And then the job, you know, goes awry and there's double crosses and they're sort of trying to figure out, okay, who is working for who and who's, you know, setting who up. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's, it's a lot more, I'd say restrained or sort of straightforward in terms of style than like a, an oceans 11 or something like that, where you've got this sort of ensemble cast of people pulling off a, a job. Those are a lot more like sleek and, and sort of fun. This is right. a little more serious. Um, and it's a decent movie. I can't say that I loved it. Um, the The actors are all, I thought, very good. It's you know also got uh, what's his name from Stranger Things, David Harbor is in it, oh, yeah. and Brendan yeah. Fraser, um, who you know, I think yeah, I, I <laughs> he hasn't love... been around uh, a whole lot in recent. <laughs> He's come years. back, come but, back. Uh, I was happy to see him. He does a good job in this movie. Uh, Ray Liotta is a small part. Uh, Kieran Culkin is in it as well. Um, I like so, Kieran Culkin, yeah. Yeah, so it's got a, a good cast and a, a decent story. I felt like um, it was, you know, maybe a, a touch slow or just dragged a little bit. Uh, probably could have been a little bit shorter. And and one of those things where I think you, not to get into just spoilers or anything about the, the plot or where it goes, but where it's one where it felt like it was doing a little too much. Um, where it's like, okay, and then this happens and then this is going to happen and this is going to, this double cross and this double cross and, you know, a lot of like twists where and turns where sometimes, you know, less is more, um, you know, maybe, you know, a couple of turns, but we don't need to keep going where it's just like, okay, at the end, I'm trying to figure out what exactly happened here and who, like, uh, it becomes a bit of a mystery to the audience in terms of trying to figure out what exactly is going on. So, so it yeah. was decent. It had some good moments, solid acting, and again, it's more of like a you know a movie for for grown ups, um, more so than uh, <laughs> yeah, not our sixteen year old <laughs> yeah, exactly. listenership. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I you know if if you're into Soderbergh stuff and looking for like a decent uh, new movie to watch, I'd say you know give it a watch. I you know didn't love it, but you know it's a decent flick. Cool. Uh, I have a I have a question for you. So yeah. I base a lot of my enjoyment of thrillers with how sweaty the actors are in the film. Are we how sweaty <laughs> or are they? Scale um, one to ten without explaining it any further. Five. Okay. That's I, I'll give this movie fifty percent. <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch it. Uh, like we'll, we'll see how it does, but yeah, I, some sweat. I need I need I need sweaty talent in my movies, or yeah. like I'm, I'm out. Brendan Fraser probably. I would. I don't even remember. I would guess he'd probably be the sweatiest of the group. I mean, uh, Kenton. Oh, I don't want to be rude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the joke that I was going to go with is just like incredibly mean. I actually do like Brendan Fraser. Like, I think. Uh, I feel like he had a hard go of it, got hair plugs. They did not look good. I feel like that ruined his cachet a little bit or maybe elevated it. I don't know. Um, yeah. But, I mean, yeah. Uh, he's. it's been a long time since the sort of, you know, the rise of the mummy in those movies where, you know, he was like an, an A-list yeah. summer blockbuster, like leading these big movies. Um, but he's good in this movie. I liked him in it. Um, like, I don't have a problem with the dude. I don't think he's a bad actor by any means, so happy to see him working and apparently he's doing other things that i just haven't yeah. seen because there's so much out there to watch that you can't possibly uh see what everyone's doing but yeah i like uh i like brendan fraser cool 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 i i i'll watch this movie uh that sounds like a like a 50 percenter for me based on the sweat factor uh yeah. but and I'll, if you I'll know if you watch it and you don't like it, you can always like cleanse your palate with uh, another Brendan Fraser classic, Encino Man, which uh, <laughs> I think everybody should have seen uh, once in their well, lifetime. Stop wheezing on the juice. It's <laughs> <laughs> my really bad. We- wheeze the juice is the, the greatest <laughs> line to come from that movie. Yeah. Oh, man. We should also watch Son-in-Law, uh, another Polly Shore classic. <laughs> or not. That had a really that movie had a really awful climax where like I feel like they tried to it was like a date rape situation where both Polly Shore and the uh, one of the female characters were were roofied and, and put in a, a, a bed of hay together to imply that they had sex. It was a, quite the uh, yeah this is a, this is a comedy from the nineties guys. <laughs> it's a Polly Shore movie. I don't remember uh, much about that movie so. Uh, we watched it a lot as, as a family because we were weird. <laughs> <laughs> we, we watched, uh, you know, like, oh, I watched so many weird things with my parents growing up. They were like, they're very open with uh, supporting me in my weird movie endeavors. So I, I remember That's watching good. like, yeah, like we watched Clockwork Orange together really, really young. Uh, yeah, I don't know. A bunch, bunch of stuff. The, okay. uh, the Our next week's movie, which I'll reveal at the end of this, obviously, uh, is a movie that... Uh, was directed by a family friend so we watched that a lot growing up uh but yeah i don't know uh that's a my weird family tangent uh, but uh, i'd love to talk about one other movie uh which is lake mungo from 2008 directed by joel anderson um so you haven't watched this yet right this is still on your i watch have list? not watched it it's still on my list of movies to to get to but yeah. i haven't gotten so, to it yet I watched this a little while ago, um, but it's one of my favorite horror movies. I think it's somebody's uh, basically uh, the one of the supplemental features. So Second Sight put out a beautiful new release of this release of this movie, which is why I'm kind of bringing it up because it's limited. 
I'd suggest you to go pick it up, pay the stupid UK shipping fee and, and get it ferried to your house so you can enjoy it because this is a movie that's been long out of print. There was like a, uh, I want to say a German DVD release. So it's obviously locked to the, the German region. Yeah. Um, and this is a an all region release, despite the fact that it's a UK distributor. And uh, this is a movie that everybody should own who claims to enjoy horror or like horror. This is this is probably one of the top five scariest films ever, I would say. This is like traditionally, yeah, it's not traditionally scary though. Uh, this is set up essentially like a true crime documentary, which you know, this is in two thousand eight. I think it's 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 interesting because obviously like that type of documentary has become so popular now, and, and I'm curious if uh, it had. I don't know what its distribution issues are, but if it were like put out onto like Netflix or, you know, Amazon prime to a lesser extent or whatever the other streaming services are paramount plus, I don't even know what the <laughs> hell is on that. Um, Some Mark Wahlberg like, movie. Yeah, probably. Uh, like I, I wonder how it would do, like, would it do much better? Um, but this is a movie about, uh, Basically, a, a family uh, is grieving the loss of their daughter who drowned uh, while swimming out near a dam. And it kind of goes into, like, for a long time, they're like, she survived and they're, they're hunting for her. And as they kind of go through, uh, the, the son is like an amateur photographer slash videographer. So they start going through some of the material and, and notice that she's present in some of the images as well as video footage. Uh, and it kind of like leads them into down the path of wondering if she's alive or not. Um, and eventually her body is recovered. Uh, and it's like one of the most like, like, like uh, unsettling, like they show like an image of it. And it's, it's, it's uh, because you, you, the characters in this are represented so well and are performed so well. Like you believe that these are real people versus like actors portraying, uh, you know, a character, and that's like a testament to Joel Anderson's direction. And this is like, they're not like, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but no, like these are means... actors who have now gone on to like more no. fame where I'm going to be watching it and be like, oh, that's that guy. No. I know him. No, okay, like, good. everything about this is a shame that nobody has like excelled beyond this film. Like, it, it's such a good movie, it doesn't rely on uh, like jump scares or anything like that. It has like beautiful film photography throughout. Uh, and its climax is on like this is how deft the direction is. So the 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 biggest scare in the movie, which isn't even done like a traditional scare, is from a flip phone and is flip phone footage. The director is like, yes, that's what we're doing. I'm pushing for it, and it looks great. Um, okay, yeah, I'm very like, curious. Yeah, it's this movie is what I would uh, classify as creeping dread throughout. Yeah. Uh, and like, I would, I, if, if you're not feeling good about yourself, I wouldn't watch it. I would, I'd watch it when you're like ready to process something for an evening. Cause I, I watched it. I was like, holy shit. Like <laughs> you need a breather after this one. Okay. Uh, it, it's just a really good movie. Um, you know, I, I don't want to get too, too deep into it, but I, I, I'm mainly want to implore people to go out and actually purchase this movie before it disappears again. And, uh, well, yeah, I have I don't to, uh, if you don't mind, steal your uh, your copy. I'll, I'll you, trade you, you split second. Uh. <laughs> you still owe me split second, <laughs> damn it. Oh, yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah. but I'll be seeing you uh, soon in person for the first time in a, in a long time. So yes, sir. you'll finally get a split second back. <laughs> I'll lose Lake Mungo. <laughs> <laughs> 
there's actually a supplemental feature on the the Blu-ray with um, uh, Moorhead and Benson as well talking about the film and because it's kind of like a, a temporal aspect to this movie where it kind of like bookends very nicely. They talk about it in, in relation to like their filmography where a lot of it is, is drift, driven by like temporal distortion and, you know, like uh, okay. uh, wavy time, if you will. I don't, I don't know how you want to like <laughs> classify that briefly, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that. But anyways, that's Lake Mungo. Uh, you got uh, anything else good, sir? Um, I mean... I, I can if you want, or do you want to get into, uh, I guess, sort of the well, main thing that we both watched? I can keep yeah, going here, though. But... Yeah, why don't you do one more? Because I, I, like, I was going to do either Under the Shadow or Sensor, but I think I want to do Sensor. And I want to do Sensor because it really ties nicely into Videodrome. Sure. Uh, so I'll, I'll nix Under the Shadow. We'll do one more from you. I'll do Sensor and then Fear Street. How about that? Sounds good to me. Cool. Um, I'll talk about... Uh, I guess somewhat related to this show, uh, Devs, the the FX series that oh, so you Alex watched Garland it. created. I've watched most of it at this point. Okay. Uh, so I will say that so far, I think I'm six episodes in and there's eight episodes. Um, I don't love it. Um, mm-hmm. It's, I think this comes back to, we talked about on Videodrome, it's sort of my inkling for, you know, story and plot and characters and how that really you know for me drives my enjoyment of um you know tv or movies or things like that and i find that with this show it's lacking heavily in the characters that i care about uh or sort of what's happening like there's a bit of a central mystery um or sort of just like kind of mystery as to like okay what's what's going on or where is this going um which you know i'm curious about but like it's taken me weeks to to get through those six episodes just because there's nothing compelling me to to want to keep watching like i don't finish one episode and i go oh damn i really want to know what happens next it's like okay i knocked one out and then probably four or five days from now i might think about watching another one um which doesn't you know for me if i'm really enjoying a show i just want to keep going you know and and watch the whole thing more or less um it's the cast is is pretty good although i'd say the the lead actress uh, i don't know her name uh but it's actually um what was her name in ex machina the sort of subservient uh was it japanese or or asian she's Uh, japanese um i had it in my notes from the previous episode kyoko is that my kyoko's the kyoko's the character name yeah but yeah, she plays the uh, she plays the the lead character in it, who's sort of you know trying to figure it out. I guess I'll say a little bit about what the show is about. I mean, essentially, oh, S- it's... Sonoyo Mizuno is her, okay. is her name, if, if I've pronounced that correctly. But yes, yeah, so basically takes place at like a you know super like tech uh, company. Uh, you know, I'd say similar to like a Tesla or a Google or whatever. Um, big tech company in Silicon Valley um, headed by uh, Nick Offerman is the founder. And he's a little bit of a, you know, an odd character. Um, But there's this sort of mysterious um, like department within the company that, you know, only sort of like the best people get recruited to work for called devs. Um, And the show sort of kicks off by her boyfriend gets like 
you know, involved in devs and then some sort of weird stuff happens and she's sort of trying to figure out, okay, what happened to him and what is devs and what is this sort of mystery? What's going on kind of thing. Cause there's some criminal activity to it, some weird stuff going on. Um, but it's not as interesting as I'd hoped. I know that you're not a big annihilation fan, but I really enjoyed the movie. We're both big fans of Ex Machina. Um, Alex Garland also wrote, I think, uh, 28 Days Later. So yeah, it's great. a lot of the stuff that uh, he's done, I've been uh, a fan of, particularly the directing. So I was, had high hopes for this. Um, and it's, it's not that it's been bad. It's just that I think a lot of the acting, and it may be a, a choice, is sort of like almost emotionless like there's not a ton of emotion there it's a little bit robotic the way that these people talk to each other um and it's you know hard for me to i don't know get invested or just like buy it because it's just a little bit off um and again like there's not a whole lot that compels me from episode to episode yeah it's interesting like and in terms of atmosphere and some of the ideas that are in it i won't get into it too much but that's my sort of take on it. Having not seen the last two episodes, maybe that'll change in the last couple um, once so sort of it comes to completion there. But uh, at this point, it's sort of like, it's okay. Um, I don't know yeah. that I'd recommend it at this point. Oh, I might give it a watch just the same. Uh, Nick Offerman uh, has, has my quarantine hair. It's disgusting. Also my quarantine physique. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i shaved my head again uh but anyways uh yeah i, I mean i'll watch it um uh, that's that's a shame because i actually like it looked interesting like aesthetically uh, beyond that i didn't really know too much about it to be completely honest so it's yeah. like a, a largely <laughs> superficial on my part some people that i've talked to have really enjoyed it and that's sort of why i started it as well because i had heard good things and i liked um you know liked his film so i thought i'd check it out but so far it's you know it's it's okay it's it's fine yeah, yeah. but you may enjoy it who knows yeah i'll, I'll give it i'll give it a try i'll give it a try uh so i want to talk about one more thing before our main event here and that is 2021's sensor and uh i really really want to quickly be kind of like uh tie this into our previous episode of video drum because a lot of it was about censorship this film uh, centers around a character named Enid, played by Nayam Algar. I believe that's the proper pronunciation of her name. But she plays a censor for the uh, like the the UK, uh, you know, uh, film censorship film censorship bureau, and she's like a very almost like puritanical. Uh, takes a lot of value in her position, uh, and very like aggressively cuts things. Uh, it feels like she's very different from the rest of her department where a lot of them are like, Oh, we'll let this like beheading slide. And she's like, no, it can't get past. We have an, like an incredibly important thing here to do. And like, you might think that my description of that character uh, might make them like not endearing, but there's something so compelling about this character. Uh, the, the premise develops very, very early on to the film where she, is basically introduced to a film by some obscure UK director that uh, basically has like a lot of footage that she finds representative of a traumatic event from her childhood. She had basically lost her sister uh, and it kind of sets her on this path, you know, like much like Max Wren finding like the video drama signal. She's found like this thing that's really like pulled her and she's like, you know, her, her, 
perception of reality is like is uh, dwindling dwindling a little bit. Uh, a little bit of it's like heavy handed because it deals with the uh, the era the era of like video nasties in the UK, which were like fully banned films by the the UK censor board. Um, and, and the way that it represents that is sometimes like a bit heavy handed, like she'll see like somebody on like the, you know, the subway reading a paper that's like video nasty inspires, you know, X, Y, Z. But what it does do that's interesting is that like her reaction to seeing that headline is almost like confirmation of her, like her zealot status at the center board. Like she (laughs) kind of like smirks, like it's really, really good. Uh, and it goes to weird places. I don't honestly don't think you'll like it, Mitch. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe it's a, uh, a it might be an episode. episode. It might be a future episode. But I do want to say for anybody else who's listening, I would definitely recommend it. I think it's really, really good. It's well acted. Uh, it goes to a weird place that you know. Sometimes it reminds me. Of, uh, did you ever see Barbarian Sound Studio? That's another UK film starring uh, Toby Jones. Uh, it's very similar in a sense that you have a person who is very disparate from the act that they're engaging in so in barbarian town studio you have toby jones who plays a foley artist who goes to italy and he's like scoring a giallo film or doing like the the foley for a giallo film is like a lot of it's disgusting to him much like Enid's representation of or perception of the violence that she's censoring uh you know and it gets increasingly odd and and more detached from from reality much like barbarian sound studio but this movie has a little bit more fun with its premise i would say uh you know uh it's very very good uh thumbs up but awesome why don't why don't we move on to our 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 topic du jour sure fear street yes fear street 1994 and then the other one which was what 1978 or something i don't uh, yeah 1978 is the second is that right okay yes. good 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 i already explained that i was a little bit toasty watching these so <laughs> this is gonna be uh my general opinions and and mitch why don't, why don't you do the general plot for the first one sure uh, we can talk loosely about the second one too i guess yeah i mean for anyone who's unfamiliar uh if this is a new film trilogy uh put out on netflix um so first one's 1994 part two is 1978 and part three is 1666 Uh, basically all sort of related horror films uh part of this trilogy and the first one um i guess i'm doing this off the cuff so uh, i'll do my best here but uh the first one is essentially kicks off with a series of murders in uh in a mall in this uh town which is i think shady side yeah it's like it's a real springfield shelbyville kind of deal (laughs) (laughs) warring uh, towns yeah and we come to find out that like shady side is what like serial killer or killer capital usa is what they dub it whereas there's you know this town is notorious for murders like this uh, that have been going on for a, a long time and and there's you know we have our main group of people are the our kids that go to the the high school um that you know the people that were killed at the beginning are victims uh, and also the 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 murderer uh and they you know, talk about it and we find out that you know there's this sort of myth of uh this witch in the town who you know some people like to say possess these people and that's why this keeps happening the the ghost of sarah fear uh is the is the name of the witch uh and basically i guess it 
you know, sort of shoots off from there. We follow the the main character who I couldn't tell you what her Dina? name is. Dina, is that right? Yeah, it looks like uh, my, my drunken haze. Is that correct? <laughs> Yeah, it's Dina, Dina and Sam who have the relationship in the yes, film. Yes, Dina yeah. and Sam uh, have their relationship. Dina's little brother, Josh, apparently, he's super into the the sort of the ghosts and the the you know urban legends and and stuff, and believes hardcore in it. But Dina does not. But slowly, uh, you know, over the course of the film, more things happen, and you know, people start to be possessed, or more murders happen, and. Um, I don't know. Do I need to go more into the plot? No, no, of fuck it, it, fuck like, it, fuck it, fuck it. No, 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 no. That's a lot of <laughs> a lot of swearing, but we can we can stop there and, and kind of like suss this out a little bit. So it starts in a very like scream light kind of way, uh, where, super super yeah. hardcore scream homage, yeah. which I I appreciated actually. As yeah, a I didn't I didn't I didn't dislike I it. it. I thought it was. Uh, so I think this is a problem with the movie overall for me, which I don't think is a problem, actually. Like, I think it's like my problem with it is actually probably a good thing for it. Where so Maya Hawk is essentially like the Drew Barrymore person who gets killed. Uh, I don't like there's something about the like the start with Drew Barrymore that was like a like way better than this film. Uh, but also like when she's killed, it's like absolutely horrifying when Maya Hawk gets killed. Like a lot of this is like PG-13 violence up until yeah. the end of the film. So I think this movie operates largely as kind of like a gateway horror film. And apparently they even shot it with the intention of like, oh, we can cut this stuff out anyways to make it a PG-13 film. Because they they, just, they shot it without actually having like the distribution set in for it. And they were kind of like, I think they were like in like the Fox Disney merger for a little bit. And then that fell apart. Uh, like Disney with a horror film. Like <laughs> this does not sound good um you know it's kind of what happened with the empty man uh which you know was unceremoniously dropped it's like the last one of the last fox titles but uh yeah like this doesn't feel like it earns its r until the very end yeah uh which is not a problem like uh because our next film that we're gonna be doing on our show is a gateway horror film that was important for me so i'm like glad this exists for like a younger generation to get excited about horror but for me i'm just like kind of watching and i'm like yeah like it's good <laughs> but yeah um, and i yeah. i'm sort of with you on that like i had fun with it i, I think i described it to someone else as you know the the characters are just likable enough to to sort of keep you with the movie and and enjoying it and yeah, you know, I'm obviously a. We talked a number of times about Scream and how you know big fans we are, and, and you're right. Scream does the beginning of this way better and uh, way more effective. Um, but I still like you know seeing that you know homage to Scream, and there's a number of Jaws references, and yeah, you know, it's it's super simple stuff like that. But for me, I'm just like, oh yeah, Jaws. Like you know, the target audience for this movie probably hasn't seen Jaws. Um, but for me, disappointing. Like, yeah, Jaws. Hopefully, you know these kids watch this movie, and and maybe they go back and watch Scream or some of the other films that you know yeah. get referenced in it. But yeah, I had fun with it. I don't think it's you know a masterpiece by by any means, but it was a a little bit of a, a fun ride and enjoyable for me. And and yeah, I think that that's pretty much sums it. I I liked the first one more than I liked the second one, which I think is sort of the opposite of a number of people comments uh, that I've seen. Wait. Wait, sorry, you liked the second one more? No, I liked the first no, one more. I think that's the correct, like, that. that's the popular consensus. Okay. I really enjoyed the second one uh, a little bit more. 
you know, I was afraid going into it because I was like, uh, like they've explained the central conceit in the first film. Is the second one going to largely be like one of those like, haha, horror movies just do the same thing over again. And so are we, but that joke wouldn't work for an hour and a half right. <laughs> movie. You know what I mean? So I was afraid that it was going to like, tr- just try to, you know, become the first one again. Uh, and I kind of like that. It did a fully different thing. I love that uh, kids get killed in this, by the way. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I want to see it more. <laughs> the dark horse opinion. Uh, kill your kids. Uh, not your kids, but the kids <laughs> uh, Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I had a good time with both films, but I like, you know, I, uh, granted, I was a little bit drunk watching these, but I, I'm hard pressed to recall the plot for the large uh, portion of this because I was kind of just like having fun and you know it was uh as uh, marshall McLuhan would put it i think cool media uh no hot media hot media uh would be like it doesn't it doesn't engage me deeply i'm just like watching right. and you know enjoying myself and and that's largely it and I don't yeah, want to I call think it disposable. That, it's kind of mean. Like I don't want to say that about it. No, I think but. that it's better than better than that. I think that you know, I'm I'm someone who watches. I'd say a, you know a decent amount of like bad horror films just because to me they're they're easy to watch. They're usually ninety yeah. minutes. I can throw them on as long as the, the production values are decent. Then like I'm happy to sit there for ninety minutes and and watch it. Like something like a, a Truth or Dare or whatever. Like. Well, that's yeah. dark i've never watched that even and i watched a lot it, it, i mean it's terrible it's an awful awful movie that, that's the, 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 any, the smirking uh, smirking faces yes, right which that are is unbelievably uh, hilarious uh, it's just it's so <laughs> laughable like i had so much fun watching it just because like it's like uh, who who made this and thought that this was scary in the slightest like this is it was a joke but uh yeah. but like that's what i mean is i can throw like just because it you know it's clearly got a little bit of money behind it the production values are decent and i'm just like okay like i can watch this for 90 minutes and you know and you know glance at my phone and and not really care and and that's something easy i think that this is better than better than that it's you know not sort of not disposable it's again it like you said it doesn't strike you on any sort of deeper levels than than the surface but i think it's still fun it's enjoyable and i'm looking forward to the the third one coming out uh yeah, on friday i'll watch it and hopefully it's it's just as fun and it'll be yeah. you know a solid little trio of movies that surprised me because i didn't know what the hell it was and to be honest yeah. i thought it would be more geared towards kids like it's an rl stein series apparently so i was like oh this is gonna be like goosebumps and, and it's yeah. just gonna be like for you know 12 year olds and i'll be like okay this was this is not for me because i'm someone who definitely uh digs an r rating but uh, yeah, but no i here. thought they were they were two fun fun films yeah and you know the first one has like the two central characters are queer which is great yeah uh the character of sam's like and like that stuff's important but yeah and it doesn't you know call attention to uh, itself or you know try to be showing itself on the back yeah exactly which is nice yeah yeah and i you know i like the it's weird the second one's like very sleepaway camp slash i mean without the horrible transphobia uh and uh friday the 13th right which are are movies that i like kind of like now as like a you know a, a vacuous thing to put on but i like growing up i didn't really like friday the 13th it's like you know like i, I slashers and i think this is a problem with this is where i like the 
like the Agatha Christie slashers where you're like, who is the killer? And in this, it's like, oh, the witch just possesses people. So there's not like a central killer to like figure out who it is. So like that yeah, kind of mystery sure. components missing for me, which, you know, like not all slashers have to do that. Like <laughs> they're already pretty formulaic to like further, you know, uh, put them into like a, a, an even smaller box would, you know, be a further disservice to a, a pretty stale genre. Um, but that's why I love but, Scream yeah. so much, yeah. like you said, is because of that that mystery. And, you know, the supernatural stuff doesn't always work for me. Um, so that's another plus for, for Scream, which is, you know, these are real people do it like committing real murders. It's not like, yes, I guess in this world, they're, the people are really dying. But it's, you know, fucking, it's like zombies, basically, or, you know, people being possessed and coming back and, you know, goop sort of reformulating like Terminator style <laughs> to come after you and try and ax you to death. So that's less interesting uh, yeah. to me than, uh, than, you know, the mystery, like you said, the Agatha Christie style, like that stuff is, is what I'm more into as well. Yeah. People are complaining that some of the songs used in the, the first movie exist beyond 1994. And to those people I have to say, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Who cares? Oh man. Yeah. Who gives a fuck? Uh, like so I dug the soundtrack for, for both movies it. actually. Yeah. I thought uh, it was nice. Like there was a little part of me that thought, you know, you're, you're doing the suicide squad thing of just like, let's throw in as many popular songs as we can so because people like that uh yeah uh, which you know in suicide squad didn't work all that well and like i said here was, was <laughs> oh my god no <laughs> uh, but uh but so most of the songs were you know they worked for me and some of them i was like yeah this is a nice uh good choice of soundtrack i thought the soundtrack was again just added to like the fun environment of the you know or atmosphere of the movie so i don't yeah. i want to circle back are you like kind of into suicide squad no Okay, cool. It's <laughs> a double check there. No, I, I thought it was <laughs> like, like it did was it garbage. always work? So I'm like, so you it worked sometimes. Yeah, well, I think that I'm not, I'm not sure that how true this is. It may just be you know random things I've heard or reading on the internet, but that may you know have may have no basis in reality whatsoever. But right, I heard that with Suicide Squad they released the trailer which had like a, I think it was, I don't know if it was Queen or... It was Queen, yeah. Yeah, yeah. something, and people really liked the the trailer, and so then they were like, okay, well, let, we need to add more stuff like this in there. So then they just added, you know, all kinds of songs that they thought were popular and people really liked because people liked that in the trailer, and then the movie was just like overwhelmed with, you know, music that didn't fit and was just very much like look at the cool music we're we're playing now um one very small problem with a movie that is horrible and problematic in many other ways uh, so yeah. no i'm not a, a suicide squad suicide squad fan at all um but that was just another thing that reminded me of suicide squad and something that didn't work yeah. for it but i thought worked decently well here yeah yeah, I, I, I wasn't overwhelmed by the music. It is a lot, but, you know, it, it kind of fits the tone. I have no idea how they're going to port this over to, uh, it's like 1666, right? Like 666, the, the, the next installment, is that correct? Right. Do you know? I think the sort of the original, like, yeah, the, yeah, the original story. story. Yeah. yeah, It's going to bookend it all together. I don't know how the tone is going to work with as a period piece, unless they, like, lean into it, you know, being, like, uh like 
just like well, keeping it poppy and fun. Like I don't I don't know what the I think how it's gonna go. They may be able to pull it off because based on how the second one ends, spoiler alert for anyone listening to this that hasn't watched it, um, the sort of main character Dina, right, ends up like sort of she wakes up in sixteen sixty six, right? Yeah. Yeah. So right. it's almost like a I can see it as like a fish out of water type thing where like she's a sort of modern day person in this in 1666. So her commentary and reactions to things, I think, is how you sort of continue that almost like poppy fun vibe. That's why you had to lead this conversation, because like I need (laughs) to use you as like a rope to to pull myself up the mountain uh, because of my own stupidity of like watching it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that that's probably the best way to watch it. Uh, Maybe I'll do that for the uh, the third one. I I think it's necessary. Yeah, some wobbly pops. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. If you enjoyed it, you know, that's cool. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a really cool thing for like, you know, if we were both 15 and watching it, like I think we would have had a blast, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think it's important, but uh, I, I think that's Fear Street, right? Where we're done for now. We can come I, I back to so, it. Yeah, we can, we can chat about it, you know, next time. Uh, yeah. Complete the uh, conversation with the final uh, part of the trilogy. Yeah. So the reason why I really want to end with this movie is because, you know, like I do see this, like sure it has an R rating, but you know, uh, its violence is largely restricted to like its last, you know, ten minutes of the first one. The second one, I think, was like much more violent. I would say. Yeah. I think that's like a fair, uh, fair thing to say. Um, but uh, it it does largely act as like a gateway horror film. And a big gateway horror film for me uh, was The Gate uh, from fuck, a literal know, gateway horror. The literal, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, my notes. <laughs> <laughs> it says the gate was uh, my, my favorite gateway horror film uh yeah like uh so it's from 1987 sorry i bungled this entirely my notes were like behind the imd very IMDb disappointed for yeah I, I, I just this is our first uh iteration of the segment it's gonna be like riddled with like me being dumb we'll, we'll <laughs> both mis- be dumb it's fine we'll be dumb yeah. together but yeah, the the gate is like a movie. So it's directed by a family friend, uh, Tibor Takis, who's like a, a super nice person. Um, so you're has... making me watch a movie that you think I'm gonna hate, and it's directed by your family friend who may <laughs> listen to our show about it. Potentially, but but <laughs> what but, if I have to talk so, to this person at some point? I know, like that that might be in the future. It depends on how we <laughs> review the movie. <laughs> Uh, uh, kind of like the reason why I picked it is because, you know, like it's a gateway horror for me because I watched it at that age. You now watching it, you know, older is it like watching Fear Street where it doesn't hit as well as it should for you. Uh, and that's largely why I'm picking it. I, I want to show you like a a morsel from like, uh, you know, of uh, my like film history here. Uh, and, and see if, if it works for you, I suppose. Um, okay. And that's well, going to be the goal. I'm curious. It's got uh, Stephen Dorff in it. Yeah, uh, he sucks. <laughs> he was uh, in the news recently for something, wasn't he? Yeah, I was whining about like Scarlett Johansson in, in The Black Widow or something. Like, I wouldn't want to do one of those movies. It's like, dude, you couldn't even land one of those movies. So <laughs> sit the people fuck don't down. want you to do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I watched, uh, like, this would be, this would have been like, uh, over 10 years ago, but I saw uh, a screening of this at the Mayfair Theater in Ottawa. Uh, and it had some of the cast there and they all like 
unanimously fucking hated Stephen Dorff, even as a child. Wow. Like, th this guy is apparently a fucking nightmare. Um, yeah, so he sucks, but uh, he does, like, an, an okay job in this in this movie. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm mostly here for his friend, uh, who we'll get into in our next episode. Who, but right. he's a, he's a metalhead. There's a, there's a little element of satanic panic in this film uh, that I, I absolutely love uh, and enjoy. But yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to watching it. Cool. Uh, but for now, I think that's it for our insert the name here. <laughs> <laughs> Tiny hell, little hell. I'm not sure. Uh, something, something cute, though. I want, it, right. I want it to be cute. The cute title. Yeah, a little cute title, but uh, for now, let's say bye. Bye.